Welcome to the Points League. I'm your host and commissioner, Sean Murphy. With me this evening is one of our favorite people here on the Points League. He is a golden eagle soaring over us in planes all over the world. He is Rob Crab. Welcome back, Rob. How's it going? You, you forgot to mention a uh, one-time champion, too. Let's not forget that. How could we forget? 2016, right? And, and soon to add 2024. I, I'm looking forward to discussing that with you um, <laughs> as, as we go along. But uh, before we get into all the baseball stuff, you mentioned before we jumped on that, that you've been making some homemade ice cream, and that is what delayed this recording. So tell me about that. The, the pictures look great. Yeah. So, um, so for our, for our wedding, uh, we got a KitchenAid, uh, mixer or whatever. And, um, for like the first year we never used it. Um, and then Christmas we got a bunch of attachments and my wife actually got me, um, one of those attachments actually for my birthday was a, like a meat, meat grinder. And so we started, December just starting to make things and so um, She's made some homemade pasta, but I've gotten into ice cream. So this is my third batch um, the first one I start off with is a delicious um, Bourbon caramel oh, wow. pecan ice cream um, So I, I baked the pecans in a little brown sugar and then obviously added some bourbon and uh, Turned out great. I learned a little bit um, the mixing bowl has to to, um, before you make it, it has to sit for uh, 24 hours, and I uh, I opened it out of the box. I think I had it in for about nine hours, and so the ice cream wasn't as it, it was more of a um, custard. Oh, I see. Um, but yeah. then once we let it sit overnight, it hardened to the ice cream. So round two, I made a mocha uh, mocha Oreo ice cream. Um, and that I let the bowl sit for 24 hours before I made it. And that instantly, um, turned out to be like hard ice cream from the get go. And then tonight, um, my wife requested a chocolate chip cookie dough ice cream. So that's what I sent you the pictures of. So I was, uh, in the midst of finishing it and then I had to put it into our ice cream container and then put it in the freezer. So I wanted to get it done so it could sit, um, and not have to jumping in out of the car to make sure my ice cream was setting. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone besides you and Liz tried the ice cream or is it just, just the two of you so far? No, no, actually, um, we had a viewing party on Saturday night to watch, uh, the 49er Packer game. Yeah. And I had a couple friends over, um, two of them were of the age of 10 and 12 and absolutely loved the ice cream. So yeah. I think, the fact that kids raved about it is has got to be a uh, That's a good sign. Step in the good direct the right direction. So. Gotcha. Okay, so this is the third one. Do you have any idea what the fourth one will be? Um, I haven't uh, I haven't gotten that far yet. I mean, I've, I've thought about like a black cherry vanilla. Mm. Um, I could do maybe a Bailey's. Uh, yeah. Maybe do some more work with some alcohol in the ice cream, but um, I think it's fun. I mean, I may just create like a crab creation and, and just do something off script and just throw a bunch of shit in there and see what sticks. I can, can already see the stocking the shelves at, uh, at grocery stores worldwide, the crab creations, ice cream. I mean, come, come October, I'll probably create a championship one, oh um, which will definitely uh, figure out to be some, some good stuff. 
I, I won't say that it's unlikely. I'll just say that I, I'm skeptical. Skeptical at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so, ice cream, 49ers. What else? Anything? Uh, I mean, Jack last week made a comment that uh, Marquette was uh, going to be unranked. And since he made that comment, we actually... <sighs> He jumped up in the rankings to fourteen and or three and zero since that. So just a shout out to Jack. I appreciate the hatred to Marquette basketball, um, and I'm looking forward to everyone that's going to be in Indianapolis that we all go see Marquette in person because we'll probably be probably be a three seed or realistically. I, I was going to uh, say I I actually did pull up the NCAA bracketology. I've watched one half of IU basketball this whole season, so I'm I'm very much out of the loop. But I did <laughs> see that Marquette was listed as a three seed by Lenardi, but they've got he has them in the Pittsburgh bracket against Moorhead State as their first round opponent. But I know that's yeah. fluid. It like yeah, it's fluid. It, I feel like each week it's been flip flopping. Uh, Pittsburgh and, and Indianapolis are the two that um, it flip flops back and forth. So um, fingers crossed it ends up being a. I, I, yes, no, I am absolutely there to boo Marquette in Indianapolis, like on like Friday night or whenever they play, even if it's after the the auction. Um, yeah. I'm there for. It. Although we have the dinner, so hopefully it is on Friday or I don't it's know. Actually, I think if it's Indianapolis, I think it's it maybe Thursday. It's Friday, Sunday. I think in Indianapolis. So okay. Um, so yeah, it would it'd be great if it was like early game. We start to start the week yeah. off right. As long as we're not playing Murray State and have to hear the whole group chant racers. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, that would be that would be really funny if that were the case. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so and uh, I'll send out um, like kind of some of the final details for uh, the Indianapolis trip. We have it pretty much set up. Like I, I think everyone's pretty much advised me whether or not they're coming in, whether they're not coming in, whether or not they're staying with me, whether or not they're staying with Tim, or whether they're they're driving in because we have so many people who are, you know, in the Indianapolis area. So should be good. Um and the the house that I got is like right by Tim, like within like a two minute walk. And it's right by Massa, which is where I spent pretty much all of my time in Indianapolis. So um shouldn't really need cars too much other than to get to dinner. Um, and even that will be like a short Uber ride. Because he lives now where you used to live, right? He basically lives, lives right across a main street from where I lived the first year that I lived downtown. And then I and then he's also pretty close to the second place as well. So he's kind of, he's very much in the heart of things. He's in the, a great place as a bachelor in Indianapolis. Like, I don't really think he could have chosen a better spot. Um, so who, yeah. just curious, who is the winner of our bet? The, like, the dinner is the I'm, person. I'm almost positive it's Andrew. So, like, I was trying to go through the Yahoo profile, like, to see, because I, I knew I was in the mix, and I couldn't quite remember, but it won't let me look at the actual bracket from, like, last year, like, the final scores and everything, but I'm almost positive it's Andrew by himself was the winner. So he won basketball and baseball. That sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and before we get into uh, you know what your your hoodie says, um, 
I have been up to, I successfully passed my English fluency exam for permanent residency here in Canada, um, which is part of the criteria for getting permanent residency. It's a three hour test that I had to do on a Saturday. So it's an English fluency? Yeah. It's like literally reading out loud, reading comprehension, dictating an email and like listening. It's like, like uh, it was, it was like three hours long. It was just a waste. Uh, Is there a French component? Because I feel like the French Canadians have got to feel a little left out. No, it's not a a requirement. I mean, that's the thing about Canada is, like, really, the only people who speak French are in Quebec. And, I mean, that's, I mean, it's notable because, like, Montreal. But, like, pretty much the rest of the country, for the most part, it's, like, in Ontario in particular, it's English. Like, I mean, you're more likely to hear French spoken in Indianapolis when we're there in March than you are here in London, Ontario. So, like, it's it's pretty sparse. Um, but, like, when if you go to Quebec, you, you're, you're going to want to know. You're going to want to know some French or at least be able to read it. Like, and actually, if you do go to Montreal, which is a great city, um, you can pretty much get away with just speaking English. Most, most of the folks there know English. But if you go to, like, Quebec City, from what I've heard, it gets a lot tougher. Um, but I haven't, I haven't experienced that yet. Three hours. So that's, uh, like my written test was only, I think I had 120 minutes, 60 questions to fly an airplane. So, I mean, that's, it's nice that Canada's really strict on making sure you, you oh my God. Language. it was, it was so, the funny part was it was actually relatively tough. Like, like some of the, like I, like with the reading questions, it's like, I don't know that you can actually infer, and Amanda said the same thing because she had to take the test as well. She's just like, I don't know that you can actually infer what they're saying here. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting to say the least. Um, so. Did you do any prep for it? (laughs) No, no. I mean, no. I mean, it was, you can prep for it. Like most of the people who were there were. I would say uh, either Portuguese or Spanish was their their uh, native language. So, um, but like we were just we we're just like whatever, and took it on like a Saturday afternoon a while ago, and got our test results back. So it was good. Is it a cost to take this? I'm yes, assuming? it's like it's like I think we paid two hundred and fifty bucks each. And, like, it becomes part of, like, a scoring system. So you get, like, more points based on, like, your level of education, your age, how long you've lived here. Like, so it's we're, – we're hoping that we get through it pretty quickly um, just to make things easier in the future. Um, but we'll see. It's uh, – we – I mean – we have a we have a pretty good chance of getting it sooner rather than later. I don't know that we'll ever get full citizenship, but just having the PR stuff makes things in and out a lot a lot easier than the kind of the, the temporary situation we have now. So, um, gotcha. yeah. What will that help with like um, travel? Like when you come in and out. Yeah, yeah. It will. It, it'll it'll make things a little more streamlined from that standpoint, and then. Just with, you know, some of the, I don't know if it, how much it will actually help with, like, taxes and stuff, but it just, it yeah, it will speed up um, a lot of stuff. It makes things easier if we were to ever, like, want to purchase a home or something like that. So, just, like, stuff like that, um, it helps out in, uh, in this country. 
Um, but fortunately, I will not have to take a test this weekend because I'll be watching the 49ers versus the Detroit Lions on Sunday at 6.30 Eastern time. Um, my first question for you is, would either of those teams even be in the top three in the AFC? Like, would the 49ers be the top? Like, how, how would you break that down? Like, how, how would you do the power rankings of the top five teams in the NFL right now? Uh, top five? Yeah. So, you gotta go, the Ravens is one. Um, they beat San Francisco earlier in the year, so, um, you gotta go Ravens one. Now, two. Um, if we're looking at a, if we're looking at a whole body of work from start to finish, I still would put San Francisco as two. Okay. Um, I think a lot of people, for whatever reason, these last couple weeks have gotten amnesia and have forgotten just how dominant they were. I mean, they beat Dallas forty-two to ten. They beat Philadelphia, who at the time was 10-1. They beat them 42-17 and, and, and probably broke them. I mean, yeah. they fell apart. So they, I think they won one game after that. So San Francisco went into Philly and, and literally just smashed every dream that the Eagles had. Sorry, Adam. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so while Green Bay, you know, gave them a run for their money, uh, I think, one, the weather played a big factor. And then, honestly, they were a little rusty. They hadn't played for three weeks. I mean, San Francisco sat everyone against the Rams. Then you have a bye week. And then you have a hot Packers team that just obliterated the Cowboys. So um, I was expecting it to to, the Niners to do a little bit better. But um, give Green Bay a lot of credit. But I still would put San Francisco number two, especially when they're healthy. I think they – I don't think they've lost the – I think they've lost only one game that was the Ravens in mm-hmm. the last two years when they have the full complement. Um, because when they lost to the Browns, Debo went out, Trent Williams went out. When they lost to Vikings and Bengals, they also didn't have any of those guys. So um, Chiefs, I would put them at three because the Mahomes factor. But, I mean, all year the receivers, I mean, they led the league in drops. Yeah. Granted, they've, they've gotten hot the last two weeks. Uh, they're playing some of the best football. Um, and then – for Detroit, but honestly, I think Detroit, again, sorry, BJ, but I think Detroit, I think it's those three that I mentioned, and then Detroit's like tier two. Uh, okay. And then five, I would say it's tough because I, I, I like Buffalo, but I like the young talent that Green Bay has, and I think Green Bay's mm. going to be, I like Green Bay's coach. I think LaFleur who was a disciple of Mike Shanahan, I think. Uh, and I think that's part of the reason why they played him so well is because it's pretty much the same offense. Like, LaFleur does a lot of motion like Shanahan. Um, I would probably put the Packers five, and I think uh, that's not good music to hear from Bears fans because I think it's going to be Detroit-Green Bay for the next couple of years um, yeah. with that talent. So that would be my, my five right now. Tough. Tough for Tim Burn. It's just a hard-knock life he's lived, really, as a Bears fan. For a long I mean, time. I'm hoping Indy, he wants to throw another Bears bet out there that he'll, that I will Oh, I'm on. sure he will. I'm sure he will. And I'm sure he'll get plenty of time to talk him into it uh, in a couple months or I think less than 60 days now. Um, so it's coming up. It's coming up pretty soon. Um, obviously, 
this weekend you've got the 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 Lions who have been kind of a kind of the Cinderella darling I think of sorts compared to the other teams involved like I think everyone kind of knew the Ravens the Chiefs the 49ers a pretty good team um, I don't know that people really expected the Lions to be in the NFC Championship game. Um, do you give them any chance of covering the seven-point spread, and have you made any bets with VJ yet? So, I'll answer the second question first. Okay. Um, no, I, 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 I posed it to VJ in the group meeting, and, and no response. So I will, I will pose it now if he listens to this before Sunday. Um, I would be happy to throw on 2025 baseball fantasy dues uh, <laughs> for a bet. I will even give you VJ the seven points because it's going to be a lot bigger of a win for San Francisco. Um, I think uh, San Francisco goes in there. The weather is supposed to be low 70s, clear skies. I think Brock Purdy is going to throw over 300 yards. He's going to throw two to three touchdowns. Big bounce back game for Purdy. What? Bounce back game of sorts. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think that last drive is going to propel Purdy into the next the next phase in his, his career. I think that playoff drive that he had been lacking, that, that game-winning drive, uh, I mean, he stunk up until that drive. I mean, yeah, very underwhelming. But 6-7, to seven, got a huge scramble, got him into, I think, the first and goal from the four to give it to McCaffrey who just walked into the end zone. And I think that's going to give him the confidence. And Goff is 0-5, doesn't play well on the road, doesn't play well against the Niners. Doesn't play well outside. Um, and as much as I love the Detroit story, I I think it's going to be like a 38-17. And I think it really is going to be like 38-10 most of the way. And I think Detroit scores late uh, just oh. to kind of put some points up. But, I, I was going to ask you if, if you felt that line was, was accurate. It sounds like you think it should be at least like a 10-point, a, a double-digit spread. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the Ravens and Chiefs are going to be a great game. But I think it's going to be... A blowout uh, for the, the the NFC Championship. I think there's also a lot of doubters right now, and San Francisco does well when people doubt them. I.e., they crush Dallas, they crush Philly, um, and Detroit secondary is, is a little suspect. Their defense has been a little suspect. In the last two playoff games, granted Stafford's a great quarterback, threw over 350. Baker Mayfield, okay quarterback, threw for 350. Um, so they, they, they can get gashed, and then you throw in Christian McCaffrey, who, who, who can do running and catching, and um, Debo Trent is going to play. Um, he practiced today, and um, even if he's not getting the ball, he's going to, I think, be enough of a decoy where Detroit's going to have to figure out, you know, is he going to get the ball or not. Yeah. Um, and I did read somewhere, um, I don't know if it's a conspiracy or, or what, but they actually say that Debo, it wasn't really his shoulder. The, the ruling was his shoulder, but when he first got pulled, they were checking for a head injury. Mm-hmm. And um, the rumor is he actually had a concussion, but because they ruled it a shoulder, he doesn't have to go through concussion protocol. Because, I mean, extras came back negative. He's back to practice. If it was a concussion, he would be going through a lot more, and it would be a lot harder for him to get back into the game. So... Um, that's kind of the rumor that it was more a concussion injury yeah. than it was so much a shoulder injury. Seems so. likely. Seems uh, seems likely. I'm sure. It's been funny watching, like sometimes on YouTube, like 
uh, Julian Edelman will come up and he'll be like doing a bit with uh, Amendola and Gronk and they'll like talk about like different ways that they got around the concussion protocol after they just had like their bell rung and like stuff like that. So like I have no doubt that especially in the playoffs like that that Debo would have presence of mind or someone had presence of mind to say, hey, it's a shoulder injury, not a head injury. Yeah. So, yeah. And, I, I, and I'm really pulling for Brock. I, I mean, we, the thing I don't understand is we all love an underdog story. And last year, everyone, you know, he was the darling. And then for whatever reason this year, everyone has kind of shitted on him. And well, that's did, what they do. That's what you do. You, you bring them up to tear them down. I mean, that's what the media does. But like, I look that's what at, fans do. I, so I did a little research and looked up a couple of notable quarterbacks that are, they're all Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. And um, one in particular, um, his first three playoff starts, 48%, one touchdown, two picks, was 0-3 in his first three starts. Guy started his career with Edron James, Marvin Harrison, <laughs> Reggie Wayne, that would be Peyton Manning, yeah. and Hall of Famer. And Tom Brady, who was 3-0, 62%, 500 yards, one touchdown, one pick. And, and these are guys that we remember as top quarterbacks. Brock Purdy, if you throw out the Philly game, 3-0, 61%, 798 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. And I watched, uh, I think it's on Peacock, um, Brady and Charles Woodson watched the tough game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you, have you seen it? I've seen, like, clips of it. Like, so it's a good idea to it's, do it. It's interesting. It's funny. Like, Brady pretty much admits that it was a fumble without admitting it was a fumble, but he does mm-hmm. admit saying without that game, there's probably no Tom Brady because he said if it was a fumble, he probably next year is backup quarterback and, and never has his, uh, his his illustrious rise to where he is. And so... Oh, that's interesting. My, uh, my hope is that uh, Brock's drive last last week is his Tom Brady talk for uh, Joe Montana's the catch and um, you know if they can beat Detroit and he wins a Super Bowl I think people will start giving Brock a little bit more credit because yeah any, anyone I guess can throw in that system but Jimmy G was never an MVP candidate and Brock today was announced a finalist not that he's going to win it but still a finalist yeah I mean, he did well in that system so yeah, I, I do feel like he's going to have to win a Super Bowl to get a lot of the skepticism. And even then, there will still be skepticism until he does it. Or has multiple you know, strong seasons. Right. But the thing is, he's Mr. Irrelevant, so he's, he's got an uphill battle. If he was a third, fourth-round draft pick, even first-round draft pick, his drive last week, people would be like, oh, it was a great great drive by a quarterback. Probably true. Company, like, would have probably had a lot more accolades as... People just waiting for the other wheel to fall off and say, "Yeah, that's why he's Mr. Irrelevant. He can't, he can't come through." So. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I do think the 49ers will probably win, and I think the Chiefs will win. Um, or that's that's what I'm hoping for uh, as a Bengals fan because I am just always going to cheer against Baltimore. But uh, I, I do, and I agree that the Chiefs Ravens game should be a will probably be a better game. Yeah, I I'm hoping for Baltimore just because I think we beat. I think we play them again. We have a good shot at beating them. Um, yeah. But I will. This is a little 
NFL knowledge that I found out today is that uh, should the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl, the rumor is that Andy Reid will retire and that his replacement would be Belichick. Bill Belichick. Yeah, I saw and that. That's why he can go win another Super Bowl and give the middle finger to Tom Brady to say, yeah, I can win without you. <laughs> Although it's another GOT type of quarterback. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think if I were Bill Belichick, I would forget about that and just take the $20 million from a press box or a, a studio. I, I, don't, I would just retire, but I don't think he wants to do that. I mean, it, he interviewed for the Atlanta job, so he clearly wants to keep coaching. That, uh, but that just got filled today. But can you really? Yeah. Can you imagine Belichick after all of his horrible media interviews to then have him be on the sideline? But it's intentional. Like he's like intentionally close-lipped. Like I think if you put him in studio with a little bit of training, like I, I think people have they want to hear his stories because he's been so close to the vest over the years. Like I think he would be really fun to watch on a studio show before. Be, on Sunday mornings, um, in a way that many other like coaches and, and players just can't be because they're they're not like him. Or maybe he sucks and they just fire him, whatever. Maybe replace Collinsworth and do like a Mike Tirico, Tom Brady, and Belichick <laughs> trifecta booth. <laughs> I mean, yeah, make it happen. I I just I think I think he would struggle doing three hours, but I think if you put him in for like an hour and had him do. You know, five to ten minutes over the course of an hour, I think that would be really good. Like, keep you wanting more. I don't think he could do color. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens with him. Uh, so we're going to move on to kind of a new segment that I'm going to start doing. Um, just to kind of switch up things. Um, so I've got a series of questions and scenarios for Rob that I have not told him about in advance. Kind of like what I did with Trent. And uh, we're just going to jump into them, you know, kind of rapid fire. And, uh, you know, this first one is, I think, kind of an easy one. But, um... Question. Did Dan Gower have any assistance in these questions? No, no one. These are all, these are all me. These are all me. So, the first one actually is a baseball question. So, New Englander Matt Tetro came back into the league this year after, or this week, after missing for over a decade... Um, joining as the head of baseball operations for Gower. Um, Matt was actually, or, or Tetro, how he's usually, uh, how we usually refer to him. Um, he's the original owner of Trent's team. What second baseman did Matt Tetro take as the number nine overall pick in the 2011 draft? I'll give you four choices. Okay. Ian Kinsler, Dustin Pedroia, Robinson Cano or Dan Ugla? You said he's from New England? Yes. I would like to think Pedroia. Um, yeah, I will go with Dustin Pedroia. It's probably wrong, but I'll go with Dustin Pedroia. It is indeed wrong. I think I was actually the one who. Dustin Pedroia. He actually went Robinson Cano. Oh. Yeah. But he followed that with Carl Crawford in the second round. So he did get his Red Sox. Matt also basically stopped playing after like two weeks. Was, <laughs> so, Cano, 
Was he still in the Yankees, or was that when he had, had he left for Seattle? He was still with the Yankees. Because okay. I know Andrew had Cano for a while while he was on the Yankees. Okay. Uh, and I, I will say, I am definitely excited to have Tetra back in any capacity. He was um, kind of part of my fraternity lineage. I, I can't remember if I'm like his grandfather or like what the relationship is, but he was always um, really personable um, to talk to. I don't really know um, quite the extent of uh, the day-to-day that he's going to have um, with Dan, um, but it, I'm guessing that uh, he'll be, maybe he'll take care of uh like the the pickups each day um, would be my guess. I don't know. I, I I'm really kind of waiting to hear from Dan like what the extent of Tetro being in the league is. Um, so is he is an IU IU guy? Yes. I'm, I'm, yeah. So. He was in the fraternity. So he was in the league when I was in it. Was like did I you, come in you, after? Yeah, you came in after. Um, so he was. Yeah. So he was replaced many times over the years. Um, or that, like that team, that team just has never really found, um, a proper owner, um, over the long run, but hopefully, um, Dan will be able to steward it, um, with Tetro. I'm very curious to see how the, the co-ownership thing kind of works out. Um, so do they, do they split the fees and, and the winnings and, I, and it's I, a split championship? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that they know, actually. Like, I, I'm sure Dan's got something in mind, but I, I hopefully... And I know that they ran into each other at a party last year. Um, so or, like, a, a wedding or something. Does he live in St. Louis? I don't know where he lives. I know oh. he was, he's in the, the military, and I know he's done... Or I, I think he's done, like, like, pretty well, but I don't know where he's, like, stationed at or... Um, anything like that, but I think he's like a career military guy. Um, so it sounds like a, a podcast with you have to get both of them. I I probably would. Like I think that would be and, fun. And does Dan have a media relations department now that you're gonna have to go through before you can get to the two of them? I I mean we got Skype, we got ways, we can do it on Zoom, <laughs> we can do it on G Chat or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, happy to have him back in some capacity. It's pretty hilarious. Like I. I feel like I've had, like, I, I, I thought I had, like, a conversation with Tetra, like, four years ago over, like, Facebook Messenger um, about, like, him asking about the league still going on. And, like, I went back, like, I think, like, a year and a half ago to, like, find that, like, message exchange, and I couldn't find it at all. So it's entirely possible that I, like, dreamed this whole thing up. But, like, he, I, I, he's highly thought of. Um, within our circle, so um, I, it would be great if he was able to make some event at some point in the future. But I, I want to say he's still out east, but I could I could be wrong. Um, move on to question number two. So the auction is scheduled to be held on the evening of March twenty third in downtown Indianapolis. We are expecting basically everyone there except for Adam and Vandy um, in terms of attendance. At dinner, following the auction, who is the most likely person to posit at dinner that they eat ass because they're an adult? Wait, can you say that again? (laughs) Who is the most likely member of the league to posit at dinner that they eat ass because they're an adult? 
I'm gonna say Dan Gower. <laughs> okay. I took that from uh, I think it was Tom Segura, and I was like, that's hilarious, and so I I, I thought that would be a good good change up question for you. Yeah. All right. So we've got uh, we've got Dan Gower there as the uh, the most likely answer. I think I actually would have went VJ, but um, <laughs> that's uh, that's where I stand there. Uh, third question. So Todd Helton, Joe Maurer, and Adrian Beltre were voted in the Baseball Hall of Fame this weekend or this week. What? And notably, you mentioned that Adrian Beltre got ninety five percent of the vote, which. You felt was high, um, but it's it, it's so weird with that because it like so much of it is dependent upon like time and the number of voters and like who have went through. So my question to you is, what percent did Mickey Mantle get when he was voted in in nineteen seventy four? Obviously, this has to be somewhere between seventy five and one hundred percent. Right. Well, and there's only been one unanimous guy, so right. it's not 100 because that was the great closer, Mariano Rivera. Um, God, I'm going to say Mickey Mail. I'm going to be like right around, I'm going to say 88%. That is exactly right. Nailed it. 88%. And I believe Joe DiMaggio got basically the same percent as well when he went in. I, I just feel like Mantle, I, I love Mantle, but I think he did rub some people the wrong way um, with some of his antics. Um, and I, to go back to Adrian Beltre, I, I think I made that comment before. Like, I need to look back at his stats. He definitely is a Hall of Famer. I, I He played so long, and I think yeah. I just I didn't realize how much he actually did. Um, well, and he so. basically had, like, two different careers within one. Because, like, he had, like, the Dodger and Mariner years where he was, like, a pretty good player. And, like, he came up really young. Like, he was definitely one of those, like, kind of prodigy prospects. And had, like, a monster season. And then it was kind of, like, league average or a little above league average for the Mariners. And then when he went to the Red Sox and then had, like, this whole, like, second career, basically, with the Rangers that, like, really puts him over the top. And... Um, like I mentioned on the thread, like his defense is generally rated as the best of the past 30 years. And, and the other thing is the third base position within uh, the Hall of Fame is, is pretty underrepresented. There aren't a lot of third basemen that have been elected into the Hall of Fame. It's like basically like Brooks Robinson and uh, Scott Rowland and Mike Schmidt. Like there's just not a lot. So like. Um, I don't know that that really went into the thinking of the writers, but um, I think the defensive metrics have really helped him or like probably buoyed him more than if he had been up for candidacy like 30 years ago. Um, and I was a little surprised. I, I thought Joe Maurer was going to be a really interesting case um, because like he spent so much time at first base towards the end of his career and like really like he didn't even catch for a thousand games um so him getting in i think is like a really good thing for joey Votto someday because they're kind of similar in like particularly from an offensive perspective didn't he win three batting titles when he was a catcher yeah yeah at the very beginning yeah i mean he was like a 330 hitter for like five years 330 plus I think I was more surprised that Todd Helton. That Todd Helton? Got in. Yeah. 
watching something on him, and uh, I think it was DSP. I think it was actually Stephen A. Smith and uh, Mad Dog, and <laughs> they were talking about how Todd Helton at course, I think he's three twenty hitter, um, but outside of course, I think he was like a two seventy, like dramatic drop off. And they said that his numbers really were as, you know. Effective because of course, and, and and does he get in? But that's everyone that plays a course. Like everyone has that drop off because it's, I mean, it's the best place that you can, go, particularly for average. Like that's kind of the funny thing that people forget about when they think about course field is like it's actually a massive field, and then like you can also hit homers because of the atmosphere. But it's like there's so much space to get like doubles and triples and stuff like that um, because it's such a, a large field. But, like, I mean, if you look what at, like, put go ahead. I would, I would personally put Votto over Todd. I mean, if Todd Helton gets in, I think that's even a bigger case that probably Joey Votto should get in because I feel like Votto probably is a more fierce hitter and, and, and player than, say, a Todd Helton. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, the thing that will help Votto is that he came of age where he basically became an archetype for an entire generation for baseball and like the sports writers loved him so like a lot of the guys voting what like love that he basically fit like the narrative like a narrative that they were writing that was you know very data intensive um so like i think i think vado for me it's whether or not vado gets in first second third ballot but i would I, i would be really surprised if he was not voted in whenever um he does retire, which is interesting because I, I really wish he would have retired after this pat last season. Like they're talking about him going to the Angels or even here into the you know the Blue Jays, and I, I, I there is something about being on one team your whole career um, that especially for the Hall of Fame seems to help. So he has not technically called it quits. No, I, I absolutely believe he'll at least go to spring training with a team this year. I think he just wants to play. Like, I don't think it's like he's trying to get, like, a certain number or anything. I think he just has – he just wants to continue to play until he can't. Um, and I, if I were – like, and I get that. But, like, if I were him, like, I would look at coaching. He would be great at media. But he has said that he doesn't really want to do that. So I – and he's also changed a lot since – kind of came onto the scene like he used to be kind of like a very uh introverted um you know private guy and he's become like a very sociable like get in front of you know cameras sort of guy over the past five or six years so i i don't really know what the future holds for him after he retires would it would he would would his career sour on you a little bit if he was to say i don't know play somewhere on the north side and grace and <laughs> it, it would be hilarious <laughs> it would be hilarious if he went and played for the cubs but i i don't see the cubs bringing in joy Bob. i don't see i don't see really any team that's interested in competing bringing in joey Votto. like i he's not a difference maker definitely. he's not a difference maker at this point yeah i mean he can he can i he can do the brandon belt role in toronto maybe um, is like a platoon first baseman, um, but I just I, I I just I think it's, I think he's he's washed um, as they say. So yeah, uh, go to the next one. Describe a memorable sports event from your childhood, like 
early childhood, like under the age of nine, like you personally doing sports? Oh, under the age of nine. Yeah. So not like high school or anything like that. Like me playing sports or a sporting event? Yeah, I guess I'll take it back. Either, I, so when I first crafted this question, it was you actually playing sports. But if you have something that's really good that like you like met like some athlete or something like that, then, then, then go with that. Uh, I mean, I can give it too. I mean, I, I met Sha- I mean, I went to, I think, the third game of the expansion year of the Orlando Magic, and I met Shaq at a car dealership when he was first drafted. Um, but cool. personally, for me, sports glory, uh, you'll appreciate this. Um, I was actually, believe it or not, quite the uh, football player back yes. in the day. Yes. Um, and uh, I vividly remember it was a rainy. Rainy Saturday morning, um, and it was the field was sloppy, and uh, I was a midfielder, and the uh, the ball popped out, and I was probably I don't know 24, 25 yards. I was outside the penalty box, yeah. and all came running to me, and I probably kicked my most perfect kick I've ever hit put it in top left and literally just over the fingertips of the goalie. Yeah. And I scored the winning and only goal and we won one nothing. Um, and so for me, that was probably the greatest moment. The following year we recruited two kids from Brazil and needless to say, I was no longer like the offensive uh, <laughs> else that I like to think. Um, and, um, to, to, to kind of put it into perspective, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Kicking and Screaming. I did, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I actually think it's a really underrated movie for Will Ferrell. Yeah. So, the Italians, these are what these two Brazilians were. Uh, my mom, I think, went to our games to watch these two kids play because it was like, what she would say was almost like watching them play ballet. The two of them would just go down the field, kicking it back and forth, heading it off their, you know, bicycle kicking. And we would win games 20 nothing. Yeah. Because uh, we played in our we played in the city of Orlando City League, and then we played in like the state. We were ranked third in the state, and we play in national tournaments. But it all fueled really from these two Brazilians, and that was pretty much our coach. Give give it to the the Brazilians, and um, I mean we got to the point where like the city of Orlando was trying to like. I don't know, like hamstring us because the games were. I mean, th- there was no competition when we were playing these city games. We'd have to like scout, like recruit teams that we, that we, that were more on par with our competition. So. Gotcha. Well, that was the glory of uh, the young glory of Crab. young Rob Crab. Champion early on. <laughs> Speaking of Rob Crab and soccer, you currently sit eighth. Out of 12 teams in the EPL League, you are 9-12. and 12. With 17 match weeks to go, what place will you finish in? Um, well, if I start giving a damn again, um, that's the problem. I felt I, I started the season off so hot. I, w- I was so committed to it because baseball, I think, was done, and, and uh, I really wanted to make a good effort. And then, I don't know, I just I kind of would lose track of – waiver wires and pick up players and I had a lot of weeks I think lately that I just haven't had play like they've been benched injuries yeah um I would like to think that I can make a push to, I, my, my goal is to be in that that 
top six. Top six. Maybe in that like playoff kind of, I guess that little yeah. nice tournament that we're, that we're doing. Uh, I'd like to say I, I get to six, uh, and that will probably be after this podcast will now kind of be my goal. Um, but I'll be honest, like probably the last six weeks, I just haven't really, I've, I, I haven't put much effort into it, unfortunately. Um, I was, especially, um, I won two fantasy football leagues, and so um, December, yeah, I just want to throw it out that I'm not just a one-trick pony. I do win in other leagues. Um, the titles on this man. <laughs> that definitely put uh, more effort in because it was playoff time. I needed yeah. to really hunker in and, and, and do what I had to do to, to do it. Um, and so I think that hindered my my uh, time commitments to the EPL league. Yeah. Now that I'm not in the league until, until March, uh, you never know. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll spur a couple matches together and, uh, you know, make a little little bet. I'd like to finish season 500 or above. Yeah. My ultimate goal. So. Seems, seems like a good goal. Yeah. No, and, like, it's funny because, like, in March, I think it's an international break while we're there, which is really regrettable because I would love to go in, like, to start our day at Chatham Tap, like, watching the games and then, like, make our way to whatever we're doing the rest of the day, probably watching basketball. Um, but, I don't know. We'll play it by ear, but I'm pretty sure it's an international break. Um while we're all together. I will say, I think also when the league first started, I was also very excited because our uh, our little discussions in Toronto in yes. August really fueled me to like look at some things a different way. Yeah. And I was really excited to like put that knowledge to work. And I think the first couple, I think the first 10 weeks, you, I was, I think, 7-3. and three or You, you beat months. me at some point over the past two months basically with my own medicine. You, yeah. <laughs> you had a player that, like, went off in a particular stat category, and it pretty much <laughs> killed me. I'm pretty sure it was, like, a Luton player, and I was like, damn it. I, I, so, oh. So, like, I, I, and, and hopefully, hopefully I get better each year, and I think that's kind of also my goal, and I think, um, but that really, the beginning of the season, I was really excited to try some new, some new uh, techniques that I, that I learned um, from the great one. And um, appreciate you that. Know, I mean, you've lost what one year, so I mean, you gotta you, you, you get credit where credit's due. Yeah, still one. I still have the most points last year. I love bringing that up to Medima. Um, <laughs> anyway, but yes, excellent. So top half. You'll be in that condensed schedule with the, the top six and uh, and make a run at things the, the last few weeks. I'm, I'm, there's, there, like, I have a pretty good gap between myself and Jack right now, but between, like, teams two, two, six, there's a lot of opportunity to, like, kind of jump up in the standings because everyone's kind of, like, between eight and 12 wins. So if I get into the top six, is there a potential, like, with the new thing? Like, do you just – is it, like, a skin, or can you still win the title? Uh, I don't think you could win the title, but you're – you would – like, say you won, like, those five games, you're almost certainly going to, like, move up into, like, third place. Because – but, like, the thing is, like, it would be somewhat better if you were playing bad teams, right? right. Um, so, like – it's kind of tricky. Like, it's really helpful if you're right next to that player. Or, like, you guys have the same record because then you're in control 
of beating them. Like they can't like, you know, just kind of stay afloat with you. Um, so that's kind of the, the idea behind it is that it, it kind of creates some, uh, some separation amongst those teams at the top and, and creates some uh, tension, some drama. So there's, so there's no, there's no opportunity to be say like was the 2008 New York Giants and like barely get into the playoffs and then knock off a 16 and 0 Patriots team and, and win it all. No, I, I think I don't, I don't think I, I if I keep the lead that I have, I, I don't see myself losing more than twice against yeah. against that group. So no, the yeah. I mean, in, in, in all honesty, it can work against you, too. Like, whoever, like if someone in the lower tier were to, like, decide, hey, I'm going to really pay attention these last five weeks, they could theoretically move into the money if everyone just kind of split and they want, yeah. like, five and up. So it would be a really interesting experiment when we get around to that, which I think, like, the first week of that will probably be, like, the middle of April or the end of April. Um, cause like they pretty much play the whole month of May. So, still a few months away. All right. Let's get into the baseball, the real baseball stuff. Um, there's been a few trades that have went down since the beginning of the year. Um, this is January 25th. One of them involved you and I, um, another one involved you and Tom, and then the other two involved me. So, a lot of me, but I wanted to get your take on each of the trades that have went down. And um, we'll start with the big one that went down New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. I was with Tim Byrne at the stroke of midnight. And, uh, you know, it was really funny because, like, I had been with, with Tim for probably six hours that day where we're just kind of, like, watching football, just kind of, like kind of just working through the day, you know, drinking, hanging out, like, we're going to do this thing. And I told him, like, maybe an hour into meeting him out that I had a deal. And so throughout the rest of the night, I basically just gave him little clues about the terms of the deal once I basically, like, kind of finalized it with VJ. So, like, one would be, like, it's a pitcher. Uh, Or I'm trading... Uh, trading two pitchers and they're, and then I'm getting a pitcher back from the AL East and the, t- the first and third digits of the money that I'm getting are one and five. So like, like different things like that, that I would like give him like throughout the evening. Cause he was like, he was just annoyed that I was getting anything at that point, um, which I'm sure everyone was. The real question is, did Tim guess it correctly? Did you give him an opportunity? Uh, no. He he never he never guessed it. Like and Shane Boz, especially because he missed all of last season, would have been pretty difficult to guess. Yeah. Um, and but at least the two pitches on your team that you were giving up, he probably could have. Yeah, and I I think he knew. I think he knew, or at some point, like during the evening, he knew it was it was Wheeler and Fromber. Um. But the money part was what got him. He's like, if it's anywhere above, I want to say, like $130, I'm going to be pissed. And then, like, right when it was, like, the countdown, New Year's, like, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, I showed him my phone as I was sending it to the group. And he was just like, motherfucker, right at midnight. (laughs) And so, so that's, 
that was uh, like the kind of the story behind the trade that didn't involve VJ. Um, but you know, VJ and I have made several trades over the years in the off season, and they they generally worked out for both sides. Um, like a couple years ago, I did Shane Bieber and Kyle Tucker. Um, that was quite a bit of money like this. Um, and he ended up coming in third that year. Um, so I'm thinking that this might have a similar effect. Um, but what were your thoughts on this trade? So, um, two thoughts. One, I think immediately when I first saw you sent it, similar to Tim, like, what the fuck? Like, that's a lot of money you're setting. Because you're setting the market, which blows. And it's, that's the thing, like, and and to do it day one, like, and that's kind of, I know you like making trades right off the bat, but that's why I kind of like to see a little bit, see where chips start to flow and see kind of where the market is. You dictated the market from, from, from day one. And so I thought it was a little on the higher side, uh, money wise, but I do think it's a great acquisition on BJ's part. I think he's getting two great pitchers. Uh, I think BJ's got some good young talent in, in the the offensive side. I mean, was it Rodriguez from the, the Mariners? I mean, yep. he, he's got some good players. He's still going to have, what is he going to have, a 250, I think, money-wise now? Yeah, he's got, we can fill it in real quick. So, he'll have Wheeler. He'll have Fromber. He'll have George Kirby. Um, he'll have Julio Rodriguez. Um, he'll have Gunnar Henderson. I get Julio. Um, it's like it's a 67. He's got, he has a lot of really interesting guys. Um, he's got, he'll have Scooble, who he'll keep. So that gets us to 81. Um, and then like, you can kind of go a lot of different ways. Um, at this point with his roster, but just for simplicity, um, we'll throw uh, Kikuchi in there and Jackson Churio. He gets in the 87. And then, yeah, he'll still have 193 after that 87. So, um, yeah, I mean, he'll be, he'll be in a really good spot, especially pitching wise. And then, you know, he's got, you know, a big, you know, top 10 ish top, if not top five player hitter in, in Julio Rodriguez. And, and you, you could go get an Aaron judge or, uh, you know, a number of players. Um, so he's well, in a really I mean, good spot. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like the makeup of his team going into the draft, and I think that will, it'll be really important how he spends his money. And I mean, he can make some more deals before then, and, and maybe make some more money, or he yeah. goes and gets another player to fill that gap. Um, I think he's he's in a good position. Uh, I think his draft is really going to dictate a lot. But I'm also a proponent of in-season moves quite a bit because um, I think my drafts are are historically probably mediocre uh, is a good way to express it. But, you know, he could have a, an okay draft, but then if he's around 500 come end of May, end of June, or beginning of June, and there's some player teams that are already out of it, 
you know, you throw $100 on whoever the hottest player is, and, and he can quickly change his makeup. So I think it's good that he's got some good pitching, too, because I think everyone, for the most part, is probably going to go after some pitching and spend a lot of money, so he may be able to pick up some hitters to fill, to fill his void. So, I mean, I like the trade. I think, obviously, for you, 165 I mean, it helps you monetarily. Yeah. Uh, um, but I, I do like what he was getting in return. I just wish he didn't spend as much. Uh, I'm sure the rest of the league wishes that, but uh, overall, I think it was a pretty good deal that I think both of you are gonna um, benefit from. Yeah, yeah, and like I totally get it because like we we've, we've gone off seasons where that amount of money hasn't been spent. For me, this was about what I had each of them valued at. I have them valued at about eighty-five to ninety dollars if thrown back, including inflation. Um, and honestly, they would both, if we're being honest, they probably would go for closer to the, to a hundred if tossed back. And there's still multiple year value, I think, especially with Fromber, um, and, and Wheeler for that matter. Um, but so I, I, I thought it was a pretty good value at 165. I was happy to get Boz who I was a big fan of before I heard his arm. I think he'll be ready, um, by opening day. Um, I don't know what the plan is with him off the bat for the Rays. Wouldn't surprise me if he didn't like get called up until May, but he was a guy that I, I just think will do really, really well. Um, so getting him at a really cheap price was kind of a, a nice little bonus, um, for me. Um, but we'll see what happens. So quick question. So two quick questions. Yeah. Question one, um, what was the starting bid that you had? Because obviously 165 was probably not where you started out as the offer. I, I think I sent, I, I, I think it was 200 originally. Um, uh-huh. I think I, yeah, I found that. And then we kind of went back and forth um, with it. Um, and I don't think he ever pushed away on Shane Boz. I think, I, if I were to guess, he probably is more interested in keeping Andrew Painter, even though I don't think Painter's going to pitch this year. Um, but yeah, with the money, it was just kind of a back and forth. And then there were there were some like other kind of variations of the trade that I, I threw in, but he seemed pretty, pretty much interested in just Fromber and Wheeler um, from the get-go. So it was, it was a pretty easy negotiation, That's... like just kind of back and forth real quick and done. And then since you spent New Year's Eve with Tim Byrne, yes. um, did you get a midnight kiss? And then <laughs> part two, how the hell did you guys not have it? Like with you teasing him that you had a deal in place, did, did Tim get a little trade jealous and, and like try to throw some shit on the wall to see if like you guys could negotiate a deal together? No, no. So it was funny because we did a podcast at the bar like two nights before, um, and we talked about because I had my laptop up. We didn't. There was nothing. We don't. We just aren't natural trade partners with the money situation and the players. So like, he wasn't. I think he was more afraid that I was going to get certain players. Like, he didn't want me to get specifically, like, George Kirby. He didn't want me to get 
um, a particular player on Jack's team because like the the other that, that was what was in question most of the night was who who was I trading with, um, and he narrowed it down to to like four teams which were good guesses, um, but like yeah I he didn't he it he he didn't seem to have any interest in in that because he doesn't have any money and that's what I need and he wasn't gonna get rid of like. Uh, I, I the the player that I covet most on Tim's team is probably Sanga, um, so and and I knew he wouldn't get rid of him. So, um, it was mostly just a game of guessing and and me, kind of laughing in my chair, uh, a lot of the <laughs> evening uh, at at some of his guesses. He had it on like a notepad on his phone as well. He had like, a, a probably like five or six different trades like. Just like going through, like is Sean trying to get Nick Lodolo, and then there was like some other some other players, but but he never had Shane Shane Boz, and probably not a player that he had thought about in a long time either. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that was a big one, and then maybe a week after you pulled the trigger on this Luis Castillo and Shohei Otani deal for a hundred and eleven dollars. How'd yeah. that come together? So, um, so after your trade, Tom uh, reached out, and I think the opening line was, "Hey, let's do a deal. I won't gouge you like Murphy." <laughs> <laughs> so he's already like pulling at the heart. He's like, "All right, like I'm willing to listen to you." And um, going into the offseason, I, I, I plan on making a deal uh, for a player. Uh, and obviously the most attractive was Tom's team and then and then Happy's team. So uh, I think I negotiated with Tom. It was probably about a week because I, I did have some other offers out with, with Happy. Uh, I was dealing with him. Um, I also had to kind of go with the realization. Um, I think I had to come to terms with just because I made that trade last year with Matt and I fully intended to keep NOLA mm-hmm. when I was looking at the numbers looking at stats you know doesn't make sense to keep them if I can get someone cheaper probably a little bit better um, and I, I finally once I agreed to like not be stubborn and be like I gotta keep Aaron NOLA um, then I think I got a little bit more serious with Tom and we kind of went back and forth, and um, you know, I did inquire about uh, Austin Riley, and, and he's pretty really didn't want to give him up. Um, and then I did some some reading on, on Otani and, and doing some research on it, um, and talking to a couple other people. I um, I did hire a, a second partner, but I did have a. Um, I did go for some outside counsel, mm-hmm. um, someone that uh, is very familiar with the league, uh, someone that probably you would not have assumed the two of us would talk, um, but I wanted to, wanted to get his opinion as uh, he has some, some pretty good baseball takes, um, and um, I think I got the best compliment from him was, um, trust your gut, you're pretty good uh, of being competitive. and. I think whatever you decide to do, you'll do fine with. Um, so I think coming from him, it meant a lot, um, you know. And um, and so looking at Otani, 
I, I personally think he may have his best hitting year um, because all he's going to do this year is focus on hitting. Doesn't have to worry about pitching. Um, and he's going – I mean, he put up some great numbers in an Angels team where Trout, you know, protected him for, you know, three-fourths of a season when he doesn't get injured. Now he's going to be batting Mookie in front of him, Freeman behind him. Um, I think he had – I wrote it down – like uh, – 617 points, I think, last year as a hitter. Yeah. I would suspect I'm kind of going to put him in a 650, maybe 700 range. Um, and he's a cheap keeper where I could have a couple years with Otani. Um, and I think Luis Castilla, um, he had nearly 400 points. I think he's a top 10 pitcher. Um and so, to me, it made sense. I had a lot of money to spend. I thought 111 bucks, probably a pretty good amount to spend on a guy that's being kept for 14 and a guy that's being kept for, I think, 24, um, which I think, obviously, both those guys go for a lot more in the uh, if thrown back. So, I think it was a good deal for both of us. I think Tom, you know, needed some money. He gets a decent return. Um, and I kind of like the makeup of my team now with, with having an Otani with a Vlad and then pairing Castillo with a, a Bueller who I'm really happy the Dodgers didn't rush him back. I'm, I'm hoping he kind of that extra rest puts him back to form. And then Rodriguez came on pretty late last year to being pretty stellar. And so they still have a lot of cash. You still can get a top pitcher come to auction. Um, so I think all those factors, I think, for me, it seemed like a no-brainer. Um, I had considered getting an Acuna or a Soto from Happy. It just the money wasn't quite right for what Happy was asking for. I was willing to, to give up and the longevity too. Acuna is a one-year. I probably only keep him for one year. Um, Soto, two years, maybe three. Where Otani, I'll probably keep for four to five years. So, if not longer. Yeah. I, um, yeah, my take on the trade was made sense for both sides. I thought the money was about right. Um, and, and I would say comparing that to the deal with VJ and I, it's just simply, I value elite pitchers more than I value elite hitters. So, um, yeah, I, I thought the money was about right, um, for a pitcher and a hitter, um, of those prices, uh, so, yeah, I mean, if not, even, I don't know. I could probably go up to like 125, 130 on that. So you getting it for only 111 was, a, I think, a pretty good deal um, overall. I think, I think we started at once. I think we were starting at 120 or 125. I think was what the initial offer was. I mean, oh, really? I would have, de- the, I would have definitely point. started at like 160. <laughs> <laughs> but... That's me. Um, but yeah. Why 111 though? Why not 115 or 110? Like how did it end? Like how it's such a weird number. Um, I think he, I think it was the initial offer. I think was 125 uh, ish or maybe it was one, maybe it was 122 or something like that. I think I offered one cent. I think 
I think maybe it was 122 was the initial offer. I offered 100, and I think Tom's like, let's split the difference. I think that's kind of where we got to 111, mm-hmm. and I think I said sure. So I think that's why it was a 111. So it was something to do with kind of splitting the difference between what his offer was and what my offer was. And um, and I thought at that point, I'm like, it's pretty fair. I mean, I probably would have gone a little bit higher, but um, when he went with that, I was like, I'm not going to squabble for a couple more bucks. Might as well just pull the trigger. Yeah. Plus, yeah. I didn't know who else. I mean, there could have been other players. I mean, God forbid Adam opens up his phone <laughs> and makes some calls. But um, you never know who, who else he's back-channeling and, and trying to make a deal with. And so Yeah, Jack would have been the one I would have been afraid of. Yeah, so uh, I figure, you know, it's, it's a good deal for both of us. So Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, it is. And, and, and Tom still has a bunch of pieces he could trade. Um I've inquired on some of his guys. I'll be really curious to see what what his next deal is because he could make another trade at about that amount of money if he wanted to, and he would still be fine. He's got a ton of good players. It's kind of funny because like I was just like thinking about Tom's team, and Tom was who I played in the semifinals, and I was pretty fortunate that I had a massive Sunday that like where I just blew him out of the water because I had like five, like my best five pitchers going, which put me in a bad situation um, against Andrew the next round. But um, I do I kind of felt like Tom felt he should have went further, um, even though like on the whole I felt like his team and my team were pretty pretty similar throughout the year. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, he's got – he just has so much pitching. Well, and he had injuries. I mean, Otani didn't play the last, I mean, month, I think, right? I mean, that's – Yeah. That's well, I didn't get, get to have him pitch for me the, like, the last month and a half. Yeah, and then, like, Woodruff <laughs> and, like, I, I dealt with a lot of adversity. I mean, and, like, sometimes that's just how it works out. Like, you just have to deal with it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So you and I did a deal um, a couple weeks ago. In which I got Spencer Torkelson for ten dollars. Spencer Torkelson of the Detroit Tigers, PJ's team, um, and he went. So like Andrew originally drafted him last year. He started off really slow. He dropped him, and then he was picked back up, and he had a really hot second half of the season. Um, what were what were your internal thoughts on Torkelson? Because like ten dollars isn't exactly a lot, um, but given you know the rest of your roster, you also couldn't really fit him in. Um, I would say with with some of the other options and also leaving yourself open to potentially making some other deals. Um, so it was kind of the calculus there. Yeah. So um, kind of already said it. Like he really doesn't fit into my makeup. Uh, I already have Vlad at first. I value him. I value Vlad over Torkelson. Um, and then, so that leaves him only at a utility spot. Um, obviously, I have that one spot, or I have one of the two filled with Otani. Um, and so my mindset is, yeah, he had a good second half and, and really a last, I would say, third of the season. He got hot. Um, does that translate? To this upcoming year, uh, I'm not. I wasn't willing to bank on it. 
Um, so I wasn't, I wasn't going to keep them. Um, I did reach out to uh, Detroit Fanboy to see if he'd be willing to take him back. Um, and I got a very no, very quick no in huh. Detroit. And thinks DJ is not very high on, on Spencer having a uh, having another repeat performance. Um, so I couldn't get him to like. I was actually kind of hoping he would throw a price out there, and then I could kind of come back to you and say, oh, like it's at fifteen. I was trying to get a bidding war. Yeah. And, uh, that obviously didn't happen um, to what I had hoped, but. I was actually happy to to get ten bucks, um, and I think part of it too for me was there is a potential that we may have a first this year in the league, um, where someone may have to pay a little bit of a luxury tax, mm. and so part of the ten bucks was like, well, that basically covers the luxury tax that oh, I one dollar over. Okay. So. It was kind of me trying to help cover part of the tax if, if I did go over because um, there's one one situation where unless I make some other deals I, I may end up at 92 so it'll only cover half of it and I would I would still be spending some money um, out there but um, the fact that you were willing to, to go with them I mean uh, I know we talked about another player too uh, which I value a little bit more than than Torkelson and um, I don't know if he has, I'm not sure is, if he's outfielder, um, if he has the, the, eligible. the player that you're talking about. Yeah, it's really funny. Cause I've spent since Yahoo opened, like probably a good 20 minutes trying to figure out whether or not that player is going to retain outfield eligibility. And like, according to the rules, he shouldn't because I went through his whole game log and he didn't. He only played two games in left field last year. But on Yahoo right now, he has outfield eligibility. So I'm very confused. So that will be a big determinant of whether I keep him and I go over the luxury tax. Because if he is outfielder capabilities, there's a good shot I may keep him. Because yeah. I think his numbers, and he put up some decent numbers, he's in an offense that is going to, I think, continue to be a decent offensive team um for sure and he's cheap cheap money i think he he would probably go for a few more bucks in the auction um and and as long as he doesn't beat anyone up uh and and, and doesn't get suspended i mean he is a, a good player to have but it's it's his eligibility if he's a utility guy i don't want to have two utility guys that right. i only can use it at that position so yeah it makes total sense um yeah, my position on Torvalson was basically, uh, I don't want to miss out on... I feel like I've missed out on players like Matt Olson in the past. Um, and when you t- talk about Spencer Torvalson, this was one of the top... I think he was the top player in his draft class. He started slow, which isn't that uncommon for players. Um, and he got hot. I don't think he'll ever be like a high batting average guy, but I do think he's going to hit for quite a bit of power power and if he turned into like a poor man's Pete Alonzo I'd be pretty happy with that um which I I think is in you know when you simulate Al's career a pretty viable possibility um so getting him for cheap still at the beginning 
of his career. I was pretty, I was pretty happy about that. Um, but in all honesty, he'll probably end up being a utility player unless he just, you know, goes gangbusters like the first, you know, at the beginning of the season. If he just hits the ground running, which would be great for Detroit because they really haven't had much to cheer for over the past few years. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, like the way you laid it out made a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, Spencer Torkelson. And then the other trade that was made was Carlos Rodon, um, from Vandy to me, uh, for 15 bucks. I've got Rodon as a keeper for 14. It's really amazing how much one season changes the valuation for a player because if I had asked about Carlos Rodon a year ago at this time, there'd be absolutely no chance I would get him from Vandy. And, you know, his season couldn't have really went any worse without having, like, Tommy John. I mean, it was it was a mess of a season. But um, I do like the fact that his velocity didn't go down. Um, and I, I think a lot of the issues that he had with the Yankees last year are correctable with a, a little bit of health health and also, um, just, just refining some things. Um, so for me, it, it was really a buy low opportunity. Um, and, uh, I, I'm willing to take that gamble because I don't really see a lot of opportunities this off season to get high impact, cheap pitchers. Um, I think, a lot of the league is going to really cling on to who they have, um, or they're just owners that don't really make that many trades. So, um, you know, Carlos Rodon, when you look through like pitching rankings right now, he's probably like around like the 50th best pitcher um, in baseball, but there aren't many pitchers who have the potential, you know, if things go right to be a top 10 guy and, so that was that was really the appeal of getting Rodon. Yeah, I uh, I'm not as high on you as he is, uh, as you are on him. Uh, I kind of view him, and maybe it's not a fair assessment, but James Paxton left such a bad taste in my mouth, <laughs> and we got him for the Yankees. And similar thought process: he was going to fill the void. He was going to be. Uh, a strong arm in the rotation and he just it never came to fruition um, he's definitely a skill set better than him but he's also what 31 32 um, I think there's a lot of pressure in New York as opposed to where he was in Chicago uh, I I don't think he's going to have a top I don't think he's going to be a top 10 pitcher uh, I mean, I know it's a gamble you're taking on him, uh, and I mean for fourteen as a fourteen dollar keeper, yeah, it's, you know it, it's a good gamble. Uh, I liked it more for 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 Vandy. I think just I know he needed some money. Uh, I wonder if he could have got a little bit more money, uh, but obviously he wasn't in the cards for him to keep. He wasn't going to keep him regardless. So I think for Vandy, it's it's a good and it's it's good for you. You got rid of. You, you sold two big pitchers, and you're, you're trying to find different ways to stay competitive. I don't think – obviously, I don't think you really ever have a blow-up year where you're just not going to be competitive, uh, whether or not you are going to be in the top four. Uh, I don't know, but I, I think it's 
you're at least trying to get pieces into that, hey, if they hit, i.e. Torkelson, and if, if Radon hits, like, then come June or July, you're got the points and, and you're right around 500, you make a big make a big splash and then boom you're you're right back in it. So um, I think it was, a, it was it was a good deal for both. I think both of you are gonna get value out of it. Um, I will say Vandy um, definitely is gonna have to make some trades and he needs to be more realistic. He he texts me probably every other day. Let's make a deal. Let's make a deal. And so I'm like, all right, what do you want for Tatis? And he's like, two hundred. And I was like, I guess <laughs> deals. That's so, that's not gonna happen. Uh, Let's take a look at Vandy's roster. We haven't we haven't talked about him much, and so we're definitely gonna miss him in Indy. But yeah, he's definitely got he's got a lot of good pieces that he's got to figure out what he wants to do with. Because he bought Tyler Glass now at the deadline last year. He's twenty two bucks. He's got fourteen Tatis still for fourteen. He has Harper, and that's got an Adam trade written all over it. Uh, he still has Dylan Cease, who I did inquire about. Um, Got a real cheap Cody Bellinger. Uh, he's got Pete Alonzo. And and this is also where the problem lies. Is he just doesn't have enough. Oh, am I doing this right? Oh, he's already over 99 there. So. Well, and that's the thing. You look at his team. He has a lot of players that are great, but they're all, he, he bought a lot of players last yeah. year and spent a lot of money. So he doesn't have a lot of pieces where he can trade that are attractive. And the pieces that he wants to, and the pieces that would be attractive to trade, he probably wants to hold on to because you know they're solid players and they're they're low value as a keeper. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so funny because this time a year ago, you know, I had given him basically the Wooden Award, you know, in the preseason, and, <laughs> and he ended up he ended up getting almost getting there. I mean, he was. This close to being in the finals. Um, yeah, I don't... It, it actually is, like, in my opinion, a situation where he he's absolutely got to trade a Tatis or a Pete Alonso to get some cash to then go back into the market. He's actually closer... I didn't realize until we just looked at this. He's probably closer to my situation than I realize. Like he's got like some nice cheap players. Like a you know he could put in like a Spencer Steer. Um, Jason Dominguez looked amazing when he came in, but he's going to be out for pretty much all of next year. Um, and he can't he can't keep Trout. He can't keep Machado. He could keep Jared Kelnick, but like it, it's a really it's a really tough situation. Like he's he basically has to trade a Tatis or an Alonzo. And I don't know what he gets for Cody Bellinger. Like I would probably trade Cody Bellinger too, but like I'm super skeptical on Bellinger as a player. Um, And that's also part of the reason he hasn't been signed by anyone is because everyone kind of recognizes that he out, his results outproduced or outperformed his performance or out outdid his performance. Um, yeah, he's he he didn't hit the ball nearly as well as what his numbers say. Which he should probably really just go back to Chicago, for being honest, or stay in the NL Central. But if he goes to a team like the Giants, I'm out like entirely. Uh, like it's a really volatile profile. I can see 
if he doesn't go with Chicago, I could see him being a, a Milwaukee Brewer type of uh, addition. I mean, well, I mean, the the Brewers so just signed Hoskins, and they got yeah, Cheerio. They got some guys who can play the outfield. I mean, he would be a great addition, really. He would be a good addition for any team, provided it's a good cost. Like, I just don't know what Milwaukee's doing right now. I feel like they should be selling players, and it doesn't seem like they're quite committed to that. Because, like, they're not going to have Woodruff at all this season. And it's like, why do you have Corbin Burns on your roster then? Like, you're not going to do... Like, I just can't see the Brewers really competing in a way that they want to. So why not just trade Burns and blow the whole thing up? Um, what about, like, uh, a Minnesota Twins? Yeah, I mean, that would be a good place for him. Like, the Twins just don't spend money. So, like, it also would surprise me if he ended up in Toronto, even though Toronto doesn't really seem like a Cody Bellinger place. Um, I don't know. I don't know where he ends up. I, I mean, if I had to... If I had to guess, I think he goes back to the Cubs. But it's... I get why there's apprehension about giving him, like, a six-year, $160 million deal. Like, I wouldn't do that with his profile. Yeah. No, I wouldn't either. Um, but, I mean, Vandy could... Vandy could definitely... Um, I feel Bryce Harper, Adam Witten, Vandy special is, is something that... Uh, Probably gonna happen. I, I looked at Adam's team, and it's and pretty bad. It's pretty. It's pretty bad. Like I don't know where you. I don't know where you go. Uh, I don't think. You, uh, I don't think you keep Kyle Schwarber, but I think that's his be- one of his best players. Uh, it is. And like he really should be on the phone with Vandy or Habby, and get a get a marquee player, whether it's Acuna or Soto, spend some money and, and have like an anchor player and then kind of build around that. But like, um, hopefully come February, I, I texted him, I think, uh, early January and he, and he pretty much said he probably won't start looking until February. Um, but hopefully he makes some moves because I mean, right now he is the, the, the chip leader in, in, in money. Um, but it's, I don't know who he keeps. He, he's not going to solve a bad a bad team with one draft, even with the most money. Like he's not a Garrett Cole and Aaron Judge away from winning this league no. or even being in the playoffs. Like they're just they're just if if he does that, they're basically just hanging out until he sells them. You know, June fourteenth. Um, to you, and then you make a run. <laughs> ideally, that's exactly what would happen. Um, I, I mean, he there's a couple, like, kind of pitchers that I like on this team. Like, I, I mean, it's not a bad price for Dansby Swanson, but he's not really... He's a better real-life player than he is a fantasy player, in my opinion. Um, I also don't, like... I would just scrap this whole team, and I would just go buy really cheap players. Um, I would go ask... I'd offer Matt some money for Gallon. And, uh, yeah, Matt's the other one that we haven't talked about that's got a lot of really good players that have to get sold. So, like, he, he should be talking to Kaiser or Matt, um, in my opinion. Yeah. No, I agree. I think, uh, I mean, Adam could could definitely improve himself, not get rid of his whole chip stack, but at least get some players that makes him a little bit more competitive going into the, to the draft. Because um, if the... 
I think too at the end of the day, like Adam, when it comes to auction time, he has money, but he doesn't he doesn't spend it wisely, and like he ends up with sometimes more money than he should have when he leaves it, or he overpays for players because he just wants to get rid of all his money. Yeah, he spends a lot of time trying to just bid people. I mean, that is in. If that's your enjoyment of the league, then then go for it. Like it's a it's a fun two hours is bidding up your your buddies. But if I were him, yeah, I would go after a gallon and Albies, uh, yeah, you know a, a Musgrove. You know, I, I I would I would throw like one hundred and twenty five dollars at Matt and say, hey, fill up my shopping cart. What can I get for this? <laughs> and then and then go from there because it's. He, yeah, like I said, he's not a uh, a Garrett Cole and an Aaron Judge away from competing. Yeah. I will say, Adam, if you're listening, I'll give you Aaron Nola for like two bucks, three bucks, if, if you want to get a decent starting pitcher for, for next to nothing. So, I mean, and I will say, it, I will miss not having Vandy and Adam in Indianapolis. It's uh, those are two big misses. Um, they are. Those are two big misses. Can't overlook that. Um, have you engaged Trent at all? What? Oh, yeah, we can talk about that. I was going to ask one quick question yeah. uh, before Trent. Um, as you were asking me random questions, who do you see in March to be the Scott Vanderpool of this year's trip? If you recall his wonderful <laughs> performance. His legend, legendary performance. Uh... If I had to guess who will get inebriated to the to to that level, I will guess Tim. Okay. That would be my guess. Um I think he's the most he's probably the most likely. But you never know. That'll be the best time to get some uh some Chicago Bears that's going. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, we'll be on his turf. He'll know the area. He's been there since uh, November. Um, yeah. I mean, I, that would that would be my bet. Uh, have you engaged Trent at all in any? Yeah, I did text him, but he didn't. Um, let me look at it. I texted my group and they didn't have his number, and so he's like, "Oh, here's my number. Like, you know, what from the future? Just text me." Because uh, actually. I asked him, uh, he was that other person I, I inquired if he would be any interest in Spencer Tarkelson. Mm. Uh, I was really trying to get some other parties to really have a little uh, uh, auction, if you will, and, and bid up the price. So, um, But by the time he got back to me, it was kind of too late. Um, and I don't even know if he would have been really that interested. But um, it'll be interesting to see how he does his first year in. Uh, if he will take the approach of kind of more observer and, and um, see how people react to different things or if he's just going to jump right in and, and, and make some waves and, and, and try to mix things up. So, um, and like, I don't know if you have his, do you have his team up? I do, yeah. Um, he has, so it's like, it's really weird because like I did the podcast with him and he has a team. He has like kind of just like a middle of the road team right now because like Will didn't do him really any favors um, in terms of selling off, other than what he sold off to 
uh, Kaiser, like I think he sold like Jose Ramirez or someone like that. Um, yeah. And then he had so many injury problems and like, um, and then he had the whole Julio Urias situation after the LAFC match. Um, so like he's got a few players on this roster who are decent-ish, but I would. I guess I would throw him in here. Like I, I like I, I don't even know that I can get really get to like even sixty dollars with this roster at this point. Um because he's not keeping Corey Seeger. I mean yeah. you could oh, maybe I would keep Will Smith, but like um Would you keep a Chris Sale in Atlanta? I would I would see what I could get for Chris Sale. Probably first, I would probably see what I could get for every one of these players. I would try to see what I could get for you. I, I, I mean, the the big domino on this roster is is Jordan Alvarez, and that was very apparent to him too. I don't know who's going to, what he gets in return for Jordan Alvarez, because um, like if you turn injuries off, like in terms of pure hitting, like Jordan Alvarez is probably like a top three hitter in the league. Um, I mean, he can't run at all, but like, man, does he put some pain on the ball? Um, I, I would try to trade him, get some money. And then also like a, a really good young player. Um, like I think an interesting trade to me would be like Trent and VJ Jordan Alvarez in exchange for Jackson Churio and maybe like 50 or 60 bucks. Um, something like that. Like, I don't know what the actual money would be. But, yeah. you know, something along those lines, because he needs he needs some players to, to kind of dream on. Because um, even, you know, excluding Jordan Alvarez, Jordan Montgomery and Chris Sale aren't exactly young guys. And they're not really... They're guys who are interesting lottery tickets, but I, 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 would, I, would, I think I would want to design this roster just completely differently and just jump into the market. But I know through Tim... He was probably caught a little off guard by the first two trades of this offseason, um, just with the amount of money involved. And, like, give, especially, I think the hardest part about this league is adjusting to the fact that the pitchers are really worth more than the hitters, um, and then quantifying that. Um, I think that's the most difficult part for people. I do like, uh, not that I'm going to be. Uh, trading for him, but I do think Robbie Ray in the Giants could have a bounce back if he stays healthy. Could, could have a, a solid year for the Giants. Yeah, uh, I I would love him there. Like I I, I love Robbie Ray, but I don't think he's actually going to be back until like midway through the season. Oh really? Oh, no. Yeah, I don't I don't think he's going to be a guy from from the get go. Um. So. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a really tough roster. Um, I could also see Trent, like, selling off Sale and Alvarez and saying, fuck it, I'm just going to draft everyone. Um, and I I would caution against that strategy. Um, typically, the auction is not the best place to build a team. It's, in my mind, it's the best place to finish a team. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think you have a, if you can have a good nucleus going into the draft and then the draft is there to fill the holes and then you kind of reassess your team May, June. Yeah. And then if you're in it, you strike quick and you strike early. Uh, because I think 
you do that, you get some of the better players that are available. Um, and you, you may get a better deals than the people that get a little bit more desperate towards the end of the year. So, 100%. Um, so. I think Jack's another interesting player um, in all this. Like, he's a player that he's, he's someone that Trent could pair up with um, for some cheaper talent. Um, I, and I like Jack. I think if you're talking about a team that can fill some holes, I think Jack has a lot of good young players, yeah. i.e. Corbin Carroll, uh, C.J. Abrams. Uh, I, I think he's got some good hitters. I don't know how. He's no he pitching, got, and that was his problem yeah. last year. He led the league in hitting, in batting points, for I think the first 15 weeks of the season, even after he sold. But he had like a bottom three pitching staff, and that's why he ended up where he ended up. And I will, I would say this: I actually like Marcus Stroman better than I do Rodon for the Yankees. Really? Yeah. I I, I, I think, think I could I think not think of Jack, a worse place for Marcus Stroman to end up than Yankee Stadium. I think because he's not gonna he's gonna be like a four or five. He's not gonna he's gonna be behind Cole and like he's not gonna have a lot of pressure on him. As much as some of the other guys, and I, at five dollar keeper, I think I think he's he's a good value. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's someone that you can kind of plug in, especially because of the price. But from an actual pitching profile standpoint, pitching in the AL East is very different than pitching in the NL Central. I think he's going to get absolutely tattooed. But he did well in Toronto. Did he not? I mean, weren't his he numbers did. pretty he, solid? For, from a fantasy perspective, they were dog shit because he never threw a slider. Like, that's always been my problem with Marcus Stroman. He just throws that sinker. So, like, he'll get, like, quality starts and stuff, but he's never going to have a good K rate. So yeah. he's always going to end up as, like, number 45 in, like, pitching rankings. Like, he's... I. It's not that he doesn't have the... I mean, he's one of the most athletic pitchers in baseball but like throw your fucking slider dude he just wants to get outs like i don't know he's more of a kind of a throwback in a way so and he frequently ends up on my teams because i know he can go six and there's something to be said for that but there's another level that i think he could have got to um if he had made that switch at a younger age yeah he'd go i mean jack could go cortez lindolo bieber like he could he get rid of both of those guys and go Bieber. Like, I don't know what he's going to do with Shane Bieber. Um, yeah. But, like, he has a lot of – Jack's got a ton of options. Um, and he doesn't have to get rid of many of them to get some cash. And then he's right in there with, with you and Adam for for Garrett Cole. Um, but he's, he's nicely positioned. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if, if him and uh... – if him and Adam make any moves, if, if I go into the auction back as the chips as the stack leader, or if uh, I mean Adam, I feel like has to make a move, and so I think him making a move, I'll, I'll I should regain my title uh, unless Jack makes some moves where he actually inherits more money, um, which he could. He's got some young talent that he could sell high and then maybe buy some cheap players, but. Um, and then I guess the other person we haven't talked about would be um, the reigning champ. Um, Happy. Yeah. Who, he can get a lot of money real quick 
selling a number of players on his team. I was kind of working through this with you, what it would cost to get Spencer Strider. Um, did you ever bring that up with him? Uh, I think I briefly asked, and obviously the the, the canned response is everyone's available. <laughs> right. Which, and then it's then the next is okay. Well, what kind of value? And he and it, the response is, well, throw a value out and we'll see. And so I threw out two value. I don't even, I don't think I threw out value out for Strider. I think I did say maybe if I threw Strider in with a. Uh, Acuna or Soto, what what kind of price? But um, I did throw prices out for for Soto and Acuna. I think we were a lot closer on Soto than we were with Acuna. Um, and then at the same time, that's when I was still working with Tom. And, and when it came down to it, the value I was getting back from Tom and the amount of money I was going to spend just seemed to be a better fit um, than what Happy was going to. Uh, what I was going to get from Habby, but um, I think Adam and Habby should really have some deep discussions because uh, I think Adam could benefit a little bit from Habby. I think Adam is just afraid. Um, I'm, afraid I'm afraid of, for him. What? I'm afraid for him. Well, I think part of it is because you do $165 out, he thinks he's probably going to he's probably going to feel like he's going to be trade raped and, and probably people are going to take advantage of him, which he always, I feel like, I feel like every time you make a trade with him, that's part of the hangup is he's, he's afraid to just jump in. He kind of tiptoes in the shallow end and he's afraid to like, he feels like he's taking, being taken advantage of in every trade, I think. And so I think he, he pulls back quite a bit when he should just, you know, some days you have a good, some days, some days it works out for you, some days it doesn't, but you, if you don't try, you're never going to know. I mean... You could also just look back through like historical trades just to get a baseline for like what different players go for. I mean, he traded for Kevin Gosman a couple years ago, and that was like ninety bucks straight up, which right. is basically well, what the two players that I traded to VJ were, and they scored about the same. And did he trade Schwaber for with you? I yeah, he acquired Schwaber for me. Yeah, but that wasn't for like a lot of money. That was for like 20, 20 or thirty bucks. It wasn't. It wasn't really anything substantial. I've never made a substantial deal with Adam really. Um, nothing. Nothing that really comes to mind. But yeah, I mean, if I were Adam, I wouldn't. I wouldn't bat an eye actually. Saying here's 150 bucks for Spencer Strider, just to just to build that team. I mean, it's all I'd rather spend 150 on Spencer Strider than 150 on Garrett Cole. Yeah, that's true because at the end of the day, you're gonna keep Strider for a couple of years. Yeah, for like three years, like or you trade him for and get a rebate on what you paid. So like, yeah, I don't know. There's so many different ways to like look at it, but like. I do know at some point someone's going to give Andrew a bunch of money. It's just going to be, who's that person going to be? Well, I think the only two would have to be either Jack or, or Adam. Yeah. But yeah, I don't think, unless, I mean, Tim doesn't have them. I, there, are very, there are a lot of people that are in that, what, 150 to 200 range, and yeah. you're not going to throw 
more you're not gonna throw two thirds of your budget out the window and and just to get that one player. Yeah, it's 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 still super polarized right now, and the people who have money who haven't already made moves aren't typically they're typically people who act last in these off seasons. So like it could be we could be looking at the situation for a while. Um, what I guess in that that framework, what one, how many more deals do you think are going to be made? And two, out of those deals, how many are really going to be, let's say, game changers? Like there are probably going to be a couple of trades here and there that are players that are a couple bucks kind of moving right. around. The Spencer Torkelson type deals. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, I think you'll see. If I had to guess on the number of deals, I think last year we did like 20 in the offseason. I would guess that will be a little short of that number this year. So I'll, I'll guess 18. Um, and we're at four right now. So I would guess that'll be like three game changers. Um, and and they're like I think Matt will have a bunch of those smaller deals. Like that might be where he makes up some of the money. I, I mean, the thing is, like, everyone basically, if you're Matt, Kaiser, Habby, and Vandy, you basically, like, just need to be texting Jack and Adam, and to a lesser extent, Gower, almost every day, like, begging them to take your money. Because if, it, like, if, if, you're, if you're Matt, and you see Habby get all this money, and Kaiser get all this money from Adam and Jack... You're in a really bad spot at that point. So, like, and, and that's part of the reason that I like to set the market because those people tend to also be the people, like, you, you lose money and, like, you have less flexibility to spend. So, if you do it at the very beginning, you can get that bag. If you wait till the very end, it's very hard to pull off a really big deal because everyone's evened out. Yeah, that's true. And, and it's, and you, you limit your trade partners. Right. Because Vandy, or not Vandy, probably is not a trade partner anymore uh, that he once was before he made that hundred sixty-five dollar trade. Right. Like I don't think he's gonna. Like we might do another deal. There's a couple players still on VJ's team that I'd like to acquire. But like, if I wanted to make a big deal, it's you're not. You basically have said you're pr- pretty unlikely to make another big deal. So it's basically just Adam and Jack. But there's like literally five guys at the bottom who really need to get rid of players badly. Like, the only way I'm making a deal is, like, obviously, never say never, but it's, it's, it's going to be a a deal where most likely I'm getting someone that is super inexpensive, but has a a star player in the making, and it's, uh, it it may involve a star player of mine that's more money. That was exactly what I was going to ask you. So, like, if you were to do, like, a Spencer Strider deal... Would you include Grayson or Bueller in that deal and maybe kick in some cash? I would be more likely to throw in Bueller than Grayson. I, 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 one, Grayson's cheaper. He's younger, hasn't had the surgery. Uh, I think Grayson's only going to get better. I think the last month and a half, he really kind of started to get it feeling to his own. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would I would consider something like that. I mean, a Bueller. I mean, Grayson, I wouldn't be opposed to, but I, I think I think I wouldn't be kicking 
cash, I think it would almost have to be, unless I'm getting Strider and somebody else um, to, to throw some cash out there. But um, again, you know, I'm not opposed to trading. I mean, I think I'm more open to getting rid of a Vlad than I probably once was. Uh, but again, it's got to it's got to have a big return, in, you know, a high value return in it, and and it's not going to be cash. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. So if anyone wants to quiz it, feel free to talk. So I'll, I'll pull the heavy card and I'll listen. Uh, <laughs> then uh, we can kind of go from there. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting. And when do we have to have our keepers? Like uh, March. It'll be like the uh, because I'm actually getting into Indy on Thursday. I will probably want keepers Tuesday of that week. So it'll be like March 17th or 18th. And then when does the season, the season start like the next week in Japan? So Isn't it's right? super weird. And I had to change this. So that first week will count. And the stats that are accrued in that Dodger Padre game in um, wherever, I think it's in Japan. Um, Japan or Korea. Yeah. It, You'll get the like. You'll just get those. So like, if someone hits like two home runs, you're gonna get those points, because um, it should even out. But like, that wasn't actually the default um, situation on Yahoo because like, well, one of the things that works really well with our league is you play everyone exactly twice in the regular season. It was trying to get rid of week one, so oh. and I don't really care about two games. Like, okay, great, my opponent got. 12.75 points over these two games, like, whatever. Like, we have unbalanced weeks every week, so figure it out. Okay. Uh, are you staying with Tim on Thursday night, or...? No, so, uh, I'm actually, so Amanda is actually coming as well, but she won't be with us. She'll be doing her own thing in Indy over there, but, like, the first night we're gonna stay at a friend's house. Um, downtown. Okay, because I may, I actually may fly in Thursday. Uh, oh. Gets, for me, it's, you know, you're three hours ahead. It's a, probably a four-hour flight, and it, there's no direct flight from San Diego. So I'm already spending most of the day, and I don't really want to, especially if Marquette plays on a Friday, I really don't want to spend all day Friday traveling. Friday and then just jump right into either dinner or something like that. So I, I, I'm envisioning coming out maybe Thursday and then be able to start fresh Friday morning and get after it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let me know. Yeah. Let me know. And I'm, I'm sure Tim will also be available. I don't know. I don't know when we'll be getting in on Thursday. My guess is we'll be getting in Thursday night late. I mean, that, I would be getting in late. Even if I was to take like an eight, seven o'clock flight here, it's 10. I mean, it's, it's, Earliest would be like mid afternoon, and I'm envisioning probably eight or nine o'clock, probably any time when I get in there. So, no, yeah. cool. Well, we'll cut this thing off. We're at an hour and fifty minutes, so all right, plenty of time for people to uh, to listen to this excellent podcast between right. myself and Rob. So and my ice cream, I think, should be should be nicely settled so I can have a nice little bowl before I go to bed. Yeah, it'll be the cherry on top. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, 
Say goodbye to everyone because uh, I need to go to bed. Yeah. Bye. Uh, bye, everyone. See you guys in March, and uh, hopefully you guys all bring your A game because uh, it's going to be hard to take the crown from me in 2024. Yeah. Mm-hmm.